Is it underneath the earth's crust? The Bible talks like that. Like hell is underneath the earth's crust. Is it down in the core, the center of the earth? Today we're going to talk about that. And before I went live on this video on YouTube, I did a poll. And you can see that over here in the top, uh, your top right, my top left. It says, do you believe hell is inside the fiery core of planet earth? 40% said yes, hell is inside planet earth. 60% so far said, no, hell is somewhere else. I'm going to go through scripture today. I'm going to use St. Thomas Aquinas. We're going to look at some of the church fathers, primarily St. Gregory the Great, and try to answer this question. Now, I was aware that Thomas Aquinas had discussed this before, but I was reading earlier this year St. Gregory the Great's book, The Dialogues. It's an excellent book. It's him as Pope with a deacon, and the deacon's asking him all these questions, and they're having a dialogue, a discussion. And towards the end of the book, uh, they start asking where the location of hell is. And I just I couldn't help but just being so intrigued as I re read over this section, and it kind of led me to do more research and to look into it. So that's today's show. So today we're going to do three things. I'm going to go over what is meant by hell. We're going to look at vocab words. What is limbo? What is Gehenna? What is Infernus, Inferna, Inferos, Purgatorium? All these words that are used in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And then last of all, we're going to look at sacred scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and church fathers on the location of hell. Before we do all that, we will pray together. So I invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. We'll pray it in Latin, and we'll be doing quite a bit of Latin today in the podcast. Oremus nomini Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celi, sanctificator nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum, via voluntas tua, secut in cello et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimittimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. And save us from the fires of hell. In nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, before we get started, if you like this channel, if you like this show so far, please give it the thumbs up. Please share it on Facebook. You are my algorithm. Thank you very much, and please subscribe. I looked it up recently. Only 60% uh, of the regular viewers are subscribed. That means 40% of you, 4 out of 10 of you, have not hit the subscribe button. Come on. Hit the subscribe button and hit the bell. Good regular content like tonight. Okay, let's jump right into it. What do we mean by hell? And let's just kind of begin with English, the word hell. It's kind of unfortunate that in English we use the word hell because it's not derived from Hebrew, it's not derived from Latin, it's not in, derived from Greek. Um, here is the etymology. Let's see if I can put it on the screen here. I think, is this it? Yes, it is. Very good. It is, let me move some of this here, from Old English. 
hell, netherworld, abode of the dead, infernal regions, place of torment for the wicked after death, from Proto-Germanic Haljo. Am I saying that right? I don't know. I don't know Proto-Germanic. Meaning the underworld. Also Old Frisian and Old Saxon, Helle, Helia, Dutch, Hell, Old Norse, Hell, German, Helle, Gothic, Halja, literally concealed place. Compare the Old no Norse, Helle, cave, cavern, from the Proto-Indo-European root, Kel, meaning to cover, conceal, to save. That's our word for Hell. Now, I've done a video. It's actually one of the most popular videos that I've ever made. It has, I think, over 600,000 views. And I'd like you, not now, but after this video, to go maybe go check it out. It is the four sections of hell, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. But if you want the full treatment, you can get the, the full long version there, and you'll see a much younger Taylor Marshall in that video. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Okay, so our word derives from this Proto-Germanic, Proto-Saxon, Old World, meaning cavern, concealed, underworld, etc. But the biblical languages use different words, but they basically mean the same thing. And so let's do a little bit of vocab here. This I put together these words, and I think it'll help you as we use language, because you've probably heard terms like inferno, Gehenna, purgatory, uh, limbo, the babies go to limbo. You've heard these words, but it might be helpful if we go ahead and define them and explain what they mean as we go into this topic. Now, we all talk about going down to hell. I think everybody watching this video has used the term going down to hell. Um, in the Apostles' Creed, which we say whenever we pray the rosary or when there's a baptism, we say Christ descended into hell and rose again on the third day. We use the language of descendit, descend, descent, down into. And we're going to see why. Um, that has to do with the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse. It has to do with Ephesians. It has to do with the Psalms and even the book of Genesis. We'll see. So we're going to get to all that. So in the, the Latin version, the original version of the Apostles' Creed, uh, it reads ad inferos. And you can see that right up here. It's number one, ad inferos, if you're watching it on YouTube or elsewhere. And in Latin, inferos literally means to those who are below. And I'll use an English analog to help you understand the word inferior. That means lower. So if you buy an inferior product, you're buying a product that's lower. It's below standards. Inferior. Superior is superior. It's above. Inferior. I-N-F-E-R. See it right there? Is where you get below. So literally, the creed says that Christ descended to those who are below. Is it referring to the people? Is it referring to the places? I'm not sure. But it is inferos, plural. Ad inferos. Now, this is confusing because you've heard the term inferno. Like, man, it's hot out here. It's like an inferno. The word inferno, I believe, comes from this word. or Literally number two here on the next on the list. Inferna meaning place below, but since that place is on fire and people are being burned for their sins, it 
inferno comes to mean hot place, but in reality, it just means below. So number two is inferna. This is neuter. It's plural, hence the A ending. It refers to the plural regions of hell. And in Catholic scholastic traditional theology, which I hold to as a traditional Catholic, there are four regions of inferna, of the infernal regions. They are. And again, I'm not going to go into this today, but if you want to watch the full video on it, it's this video of mine on YouTube. The four regions are at the very, very bottom where the damned are being burned with Satan with levels ascending based on how much sin you've done, right? So a person who's committed one mortal sin is not burning and, be, and suffering as much as Satan or those who have committed hundreds of thousands of mortal sins, right? The punishment is different. It's not equal. But the very lowest, lowest part is Gehenna or Gehenna. That's the place of the damned, sometimes referred to as the abyss. That You don't want to go there. That's the hell of the damned. Then there is purgatory. These are people who died with love for God and love for Jesus in their heart, but they were attached to their sins. And they had not made things right. They had not repaired relationships and there was temporal punishment still due. More suffering, more purification, or we might say more sanctification. Again, I've talked about purgatory in other videos. It's based off 1 Corinthians 3 where St. Paul says, some may be saved, but as through fire. So St. Paul teaches that some people are going to be saved through fire. When I was a Protestant, I had no way of understanding what that meant. I said, that sounds like purgatory. People die. They're still saved, but they get saved through fire. Well, look up the Greek there, and the Greek is pur. It's related to purgatory. The next level is Abraham's bosom, or limbo of the fathers, limbo of the patriarchs. In the Old Testament, heaven was not yet open because Christ had not died on the cross to pay for our sins. So, all the Old Testament elect Saints, Adam, Eve, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Esther, Abraham, David. If they need to go to purgatory, they would go to purgatory. But they would have to wait in the limbo of the fathers. And the word limbo is number five here. I guess I'll jump ahead on the list. I mean, it's limbus. It means edge or limb. Like you have a tree. That's the core of the tree. And then out of the tree are limbs. These are the edges, the outer edges. So they're not in the fires of hell, but they are in the netherworld, the inferior world waiting for Christ to die on the cross. So we have Gehenna. We have purgatory. We have limbo, the fathers, also known as Abraham's bosom. This is in the uh, Gospel of Luke when Christ says that Richmond and, Lazar and Lazarus die. They both go down into the inferior regions. But Lazarus is in a beautiful, wonderful place with water and paradise, and the rich man is in fire and torment, and they're divided by a chasm. There, Christ is, is describing the distinction between Gehenna and the limbo of the fathers. And then the fourth is the limbo of the children. This is where children would go who are not, uh, in the Old Testament, under natural law, consecrated to God. Thomas Aquinas says, before circumcision, uh, 
holy parents would consecrate their babies at birth to God through some kind of ritual or ceremony. Then in the Mosaic dispensation, it was done by circumcision and also presentation of the child in the temple. That was for both boys and girls. And the new covenant is through holy baptism. Infants who died without those rites would live in paradise but not have the beatific vision. That's the limbo of the children. I've talked about that elsewhere. I don't want to get into that because that would be a real long video. All right, so back to our vocab. We've talked about number one, ad inferos. Number two, inferno is plural. Infernus is masculine, and it refers more properly to the place of the damned. We've talked about Gehenna. That's the Hebrew word for the place of the damned. We've talked about limbus, and then last of all, purgatorium, neuter word, a place of purification. Okay, so that's the vocab of the territory of what we call in English, H-E, double hockey stick, hell. All right, now with the vocab out of the way, let's go into the location of hell based on scripture and tradition. Like I said, I remember reading Thomas Aquinas talk about how hell was inside earth. Now, this discussion, of course, is going to bring up the topic of whether the earth is flat or whether the earth is round. And I saw before I went live some people in the comments talking about that, and I'm just going to settle it with Isaiah. Let me put in the verse. Here it is. Isaiah 40, verse 22. It is he that sitteth upon the globe of the earth, and the inhabitants there are as locusts. You see, God, according to Isaiah, sits upon the globe of the earth, not the platter, not the sheet, globe of the earth. When you look out from planet earth, everything you see in the heavens is a round ball, a globe. And ancient people always assumed, well, not all of them, smart people, Greeks in particular, that we also lived on a round ball, a globe, an orb. I believe that's what the Latin Vulgate says is the orb. So I'm not going to get into flat earth. Um, I think the earth is a globe, as it says in Isaiah. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about that. I, I'm going to read this section from the Summa. Now, granted, this section from the Summa is from the supplement. Thomas Aquinas died while he was working on um, his great masterpiece, the Summa Theologiae. And therefore, it had to be finished by his secretary, mostly using the uh, commentary of St. Thomas Aquinas on Peter Lombard. Now, of course, I put up all my tabs before the show, and the tab that I want is not coming up. Darn, darn, darn. Well, I'll come back to it in just a little bit. Maybe I can find it in just a second. But in that section, he quotes Gregory the Great, and he also quotes Isaiah, of saying that hell is under the earth. Now, when I was reading Gregory the Great, and I got to that part in the dialogues, it goes like this. Now, Peter the deacon says, um, I appreciate what you say. Still in view of this teaching, I cannot help but fear for all my sins, not only for those of which I am conscious, but even those for which I am ignorant. But we are not speaking a little... But were we not speaking a little while ago about the regions of hell and its punishments? Can you tell me then where hell is located? 
it is a is it above or below the earth's surface he says i do not dare to make an offhand comment in this matter for there are some who think that hell is in a definite place on the earth and others who think that it is under the earth but it occurs to me that if we call an object infernal remember he's talking and speaking latin here because it lies in a lower position then hell ought to be infernal to the earth, just as the earth is to the sky. This is perhaps the psalmist had in mind when he said, you have freed my soul from the lower infernal regions. The earth then is the, up, is the upper infernal, and lying below is the lower infernal. The words of St. John too are in keeping with this concept. He says he saw a book sealed with seven seals, and because no one was found worthy to open the seals, either in heaven or on earth or under the earth, he was in tears. So he's quoting the Apocalypse. This is the book of Revelation. And the Apocalypse says in Apocalypse 5, 3, no man was able, neither in heaven, that's the angels and saints, on earth, us walking around, or under the earth to open the scroll. Only the Lamb of God could. So here in the book of Revelation, it seems that there are a great number of people who are living under the earth. Now, Gregory the Great here brings up an interesting question. You know, does it mean that hell is under the crust of the earth? Or another interpretation that he suggests here is that just as there's the heaven and then the earth, that then hell would be like another, I guess you could say, globe or sphere that's positioned under the earth. That's an interesting take on it. However, in other places, Gregory the Great, talking to his deacon here, says that the tradition is, is when the King Theodoric, he was an Arian, he was a heretic, he persecuted the church, persecuted Catholics, he was a bad guy. When he died, Gregory says, that it was seen that his soul was dropped, I guess by an angel, uh, I can't remember if he said an angel or not, but it was dropped into Mount Etna. Now, where is Mount Etna? Etna is in Sicily. There is, it's a volcano. Here's a picture of it going off. And the ancient people, especially in Italy, knew this was an active volcano. And there is traditions of active volcanoes and souls being seen with the activity of volcanoes. Now, this might sound superstitious or medieval to you. I'm just reporting what they say. But they saw, or someone, the soul of this evil king cast into the volcano of Mount Etna. Another interesting story, and I read this one in uh, St. Robert Bellarmine, who's also a doctor of the church. He says that he also believes that hell is inside the earth. But he says uh, that there was a man named Lawrence of Surius in 1537 who said that there was a mountain in Iceland that erupts and the water boils and fire comes out and lava and all these things. And also the inhabitants reported of seeing departed souls there at that volcano as well. So there's this idea that's in Gregory the Great. Thomas Aquinas talks about it. Robert Bellarmine talks about it. This man, Lawrence of Surius, talks about it. That volcanoes, with all this fire and magma and all that, are somehow portals or connections where the dead, the departed, are seen. So they're kind of like these, um, I don't know, I guess portals, gateways 
um, between this world and the world of either those being purified or those suffering in hell. Kind of an, an interesting idea. Also related to this is St. Patrick's Purgatory. Uh, St. Patrick's Purgatory is a cave in the ground. Pilgrims would go there. If, if I'm getting this, I think I'm getting this correct, but what pilgrims would do is they would fast and pray for 15 days. They would go to confession and receive communion. And then they would get locked in this cave called St. Patrick's Purgatory for 24 hours. Pitch black, nothing. At the end of 24 hours, they would open up the cave. If you were still alive, I'm assuming most people made it through. You would come out and you would fast another 15 days and then go home. It was an act of great penance. I might have some of those details wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what St. Patrick's Purgatory was uh, as a devotion. Now, let's look at some of the scripture here. Uh, oh, one more detail. Jewish literature, apocryphal literature, sees Jerusalem, that hell is located below Jerusalem. And that perhaps the Temple Mount, where the temple is, is sort of the toothpaste cap that keeps hell closed. Uh, there's some apocryphal Jewish documents that give this impression. Um, there's also uh, the St. John Chrysostom infers that the Valley of Josephat, which is where Christ will come to judge the living and the dead, it's right outside Jerusalem, there's a valley there, um, that that below that valley is where hell begins underneath the uh, crust of the earth. Okay, so that's another church father, doctor of the church. And as I said in the opening, you know, we have all this language of going down to hell. And I'm just going to read some passages. One is from Genesis 37. This is Jacob. And he says, I will go down to my soul into hell, mourning, and whilst he continued weeping. Also in Genesis 42, he says, um, you will bring down my gray hairs with sorrow into hell. Psalm 113, verse 25, the dead shall not praise thee, O Lord, nor any of them that go down to hell. And I'm bringing these verses out because not only is the word hell being used here, it's the direction of it, going down to hell, going down to hell. Now, Someone may respond here, well, in the Hebrew, it's Sheol. That's the word for hell. But Sheol also means grave. So could it mean here that they're just going down into their grave? They're going six feet deep. Uh, of course, in some contexts, it is that. And you could argue that probably in the Genesis 37 quote. However, in the Psalms and in other places, the people who have gone down to hell are still uh, conscious. They're still alive. They're still present. Somehow, now they can't praise, like that, the verse I just said, but their existence continues, even in the Old Testament. You might meet a rabbi or some Jews who say, we don't believe in the afterlife. But really, if you look at a lot of these passages, people are going down into Sheol, into hell, and they are still alive and they are still conscious. Isaiah 14, 9, hell below was in an uproar to meet thee at thy coming. Matthew 11, now here's Christ. Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. And thou, Capernaum, shalt thou be exalted up to heaven? Shalt, thou shalt go down even unto hell. For if in Sodom had been wrought the miracles that have been wrought in thee, perhaps it had remained unto this day. So here he's talking about, not really a, a geographic city, but he's talking about the inhabitants 
the people in Capernaum, where Christ has done all these miracles, he says they are going to go down into hell. Also, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9, it said that Christ descended into the lower earthly regions. And it actually uses the word there for earth. So the language here is Christ descended to the dead, but his descent was into the lower earthly region. You could say, well, that was just, it's talking about his tomb. But no, it's talking more of that. We as Catholics believe that when Christ died, they laid his body in the tomb. But when he gave up the ghost on the cross, his soul descended into hell. And there he preached to all the Old Testament saints. He redeemed them and brought them out of hell. And then he issued his proclamation, his decree of his victory over Satan and over the demons. And by extension, over the damned. So that's Catholic teaching. In the Catholic Church on Holy Saturday, which is the day before Easter, that's what our liturgy is about. That's what we celebrate. That's what we commemorate, even more so in the East, is the harrowing of hell. And in Ephesians here, I think this is really important because it actually uses the word uh, for earth. The Greek is katebe eis ta katotera mera teis geis. And teis geis there is of earth, right? So it's he's descending into the lowest, the lower regions, teis geis, of earth. Now, if you don't believe that hell is in the earth, that's going to be one that's a little bit hard to interpret. Another one that's hard to interpret. And again, this is why you have Gregory the Great, Thomas Aquinas, and all these other great saints saying, hell is inside the earth. And they're using these Bible verses, and then they're also using these, these stories of souls appearing at volcanoes, whatnot. In fact, there's one story I forgot to include. Um, it goes back, I believe, to the Cistercians. I can't remember the name of the abbot, but I'm pretty certain he was a Cistercian, um, where there were souls requesting prayers at a, I can't remember if it was a volcano or just a very deep cave. I think there was some volcanic activity involved. And so he and the monks began to pray for the dead and to offer masses for the dead. And I believe this is the origin of the feast day of all souls. Let me just confirm that real quick. Stand by, and then I can get the name of the of the uh, Cistercian. All right, so it is Abbot Iogil of Fulda, I believe. Iogil of Fulda. Uh, per, nope, nope. I'm sorry. It's Saint Odillo of Cluno who in the 11th century instituted for all the monasteries dependent on Cluny. See, I was wrong. It wasn't Cistercian, it was Cluny. An annual commemoration of all the faithful departed to be observed with alms, prayers, and sacrifices for the relief of the souls in purgatory. And that was related again to souls through a crevice in the earth. So all these things are kind of coming together. I think we modern people don't want to accept that. We want to say, well, that sounds medieval superstitious that hell is in the earth maybe it should be some other dimension but i think today if we're going to be honest with the text of sacred scripture the church fathers um and these traditions 
can we take a step out and say, yeah, hell, it's inside the earth. Uh, one verse that we already uh, discussed, but it's worth mentioning again, is Revelation 5.3, the apocalypse. No man was able, neither in heaven, nor on earth, nor under the earth, to open the book. Let me put this one on the screen here for you. Uh, this is a hard one to interpret as well, because, you know, if we're being serious with Scripture, we're saying, well, we know that there are men in heaven, we know that there are men on earth, and there are no men under the earth. Obviously referring to the damned. Do we really believe that there are men, souls, underneath this earth's crust? I mean, it kind of works out nicely, doesn't it, that modern science has confirmed that the center of the earth is a molten, hot, fiery core from which you would never be able to escape. You know, I don't think that any of these church fathers or medieval people um, had, of course, they had the volcanoes, but they had no idea that the core of the earth is completely on fire and it's molten. So that's an interesting take on it as well. So, you know, in conclusion, I want to say the Bible is correct. The church fathers are correct. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is correct that the center of the earth is, in fact, where hell is. Now, I'm going to try to pull up that that verse. I'm sorry, that, that article from Thomas Aquinas. No, I think I closed it out totally. Oh, well, I'll post the... Uh, post the verse or the the article in the in the show notes but basically what saint thomas aquinas is he quotes the gregory passage that i just read he also quotes saint augustine uh he may no i think those are the two he quotes and he also quotes isaiah and the apocalypse book of revelation and says yes um thomas aquinas is aware that there is uh two versions one is that hell would be under the crust of the earth and the other is the one that gregory mentioned that it would be a whole nother place below earth like apart from earth um and what you see in dante's inferno is you see that hell is in fact below the earth they're going down and down and down and down into the infernus the lower and lower regions and by the way if you haven't read dante's inferno you should read it you should also read his his purgatorio and you should also read his paradise the whole epic is makes for an incredible read. Some places get a little slow and tedious, but the whole the whole book is truly a work of art. All right, so that's it. I'm going to conclude. I know 60% of you said it's another place. Me, I'm going with hell is in the core. It's in the earth. If you want to learn more about the sections of hell, like I said at the beginning, please check out this video that I have up on YouTube called The Four Sections of Hell. I think it's really helpful. Um, it doesn't go into what we talked about today, but it does give the sections. We'll close out right now. We'll pray a Hail Mary. The reason the Hail Mary is important, of course, the first half is directly from the Bible, Luke's Gospel, but the second half says, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. You don't want to go to hell. Wherever hell is, you don't want to be there. It's fire, it's torment, torment it's, it smokes, it smells, they're screaming. It's horrible. Everything about sin and hatred and ugliness is there. Everything about peace and harmony and beauty is in heaven. 
This life is your test. Choose where do you want to go? Going to heaven where there's harmony and beauty and peace requires you to submit yourself to God's will, to be humble, to find humility, to believe in Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You must believe in Christ. You must love Christ. And that means that you will begin to make sacrifices in your life out of love for Christ. That is the narrow way to heaven. The broad way is selfishness, hatred, impatience, and ugliness. Basically what you see all around the world right now. Choose the narrow way. Choose Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian, you need to believe in Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. You need to be baptized in the Trinitarian form formula. In the I baptize you, your name, Bob, Robert. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You need that. Then, when you're in the Catholic Church, you receive the Eucharist. If you make a mistake and commit mortal sin, you go to confession, the sacrament of penance. You should also receive the sacrament of confirmation to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. All these things. This is the path to heaven. And along the way, we have the angels and the saints who are praying for us and encouraging us and lifting us up. And of course, hopefully, one another, we're not tearing each other down. We're building each other up. All right. So believe in Christ. Obey Christ. That means you're justified by faith and works. And you'll go to heaven. You don't want to be dropped like Theodoric, even though he's a king, dropped into Mount Edna, into a volcano, and he himself into the fires of hell. No. All right, so we're going to pray the Hail Mary, which has, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Oremos. Nomine Patris et Pidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc editor mortis nostre. Amen. And a thanksgiving to God for saving us. Gloria Patri, et Filio, Spiritui Sancto. Sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Nomini Patris et Pidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, so what do you think? Are you convinced? Is hell in the earth? Leave a comment below. I look forward to reading those and interacting with you. Again, if you like the video, please like it. Please share this video and please subscribe. Now, I'm going to be doing some more videos on this topic. Uh, I'm going to talk about purgatory why we believe in purgatory, and why Protestants reject purgatory. Um, I'm also going to do some more videos on hell, perhaps on the various torments, and maybe I'll do a follow-up on the distinction of the four sections of hell. That was a pretty popular topic, and uh, I think people would like more of that. And if there's something else you'd like me to talk, also, like I've said, I've read the entire uh, Divine Comedy of Dante, and I think there's some very interesting things there about uh, hell, purgatory, even heaven um, that could be discussed. So it's an interesting topic, and the only reason to talk about it is so that you and I don't go there. So fall in love with Jesus Christ. Follow him as your guide, as your savior, as your king, and as your master. Pray the rosary every day or you're not on the team. And until next time, remember our Lord Jesus Christ says you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. And for those 40% who aren't subscribed yet, hit the button. Subscribe.